On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Pascal Siakam, the Indiana Pacers, Shams Terrania's latest reporting suggests that might be where things are headed. We'll dig into the latest reporting, the potential return, and why it might just be time to rip off the freaking Band-Aid. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, January the 17th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on that website, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can always join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and we'd love to see you join us in there. It's a great little time hanging out, talking ball among pals and little sickos just like you who can't get enough of the trade machine and the ongoing scuttlebutt and the transactional industrial complex, etc., etc. Come hang out. We'd love to see you in there again. Free to join our little listener community over there on the discord uh, of course you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcast follow subscribe to rate review tell a friend always appreciate it when you support the show however you support the show and we are on youtube as well you can subscribe to the youtube channel hit the little notification bell and you will get a heads up every single time an episode is about to go live over on the premiere you can hang out in the chat with sickos as well there's sickos all over the place just slurping up the locked on raptors slop at the trough uh i make that seem like it's a bad thing i love you sickos you're the best people in the world and uh i too like to eat at the trough myself uh, as will be evidenced by the subject matter of today's podcast of course today's show is brought to you by our friends over at fanduel make every moment more right now new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started and we will get started digging in to the latest reporting about Pascal Siakam and the Indiana Pacers which last night came down in an athletic piece from Shams Terrania and look I I think that in the absence of anything something felt like everything when it comes to Pascal reporting it's been so long since there's been anything new it's all been sort of rehashed reports and the same six versions of Pacers or Kings or Hawks trades being circulated around. And there hasn't been any tangible real reporting on the Pascal situation really since the OGN and Obi trade when Woj reported that the Raptors were still going to be pursuing trade options with Pascal Siakam. Since then, it's all just been kind of subterfuge and leaks and uh, nothing terribly substantial until Shams Terrania last night dropped the piece over the athletic suggesting that the Raptors and Pacers are quote unquote actively engaged in talks on Pascal Siakam. A deal is not done, but they've reportedly gotten pretty far along with proposals swapped back and forth. Michael Grange came in after that report dropped, suggesting that, uh, you know, he doesn't think anything is imminent based on what he's hearing. Of course, Michael Grange very plugged into the Toronto Raptors. He also said, who knows anything can happen. They obviously have been a sort of fit all along with the Pascal Siakam Indiana Pacers talks, you know, there's nothing surprising about this being a thing. 
We'll get into the sort of general malaise I feel around this bloody basketball team right now with this ongoing sort of Damocles hanging over the entire enterprise. We will get into a couple of listener questions at the end of the show as well, but let's just kind of dig into the reporting here off the top. Um, you know, actively engaged in talks can mean a lot of things, right? <laughs> Shout out to our pal Pascal Propaganda over on that website who noted that the last time Shams Charania used the phrase actively engaged in talks in reference to the Toronto Raptors, it was regarding a potential Andre Drummond trade back during the Tampa Bay season. Uh, so, of course, you know, things can fall apart. But obviously, the Pacers have always been the team, right? Basically, all season long, after the Hawks stuff fell apart in the summer, by all reports, that the Pacers have just kind of lined up as the team that makes sense. They're a team that has a burgeoning superstar, maybe just already a pure superstar in Tyrese Halliburton, might be ready to kind of go hit go time on this thing with a roster that's pretty lean on wing talent and defensive acumen and scoring punch, I guess, outside and creation punch outside of Tyrese Halliburton. Pascal Siakam has always made sense as a long-term four on that team. And as someone who has long fantasized about the potential partnership of Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner front court, of course, in Toronto in my wildest fantasies, I think the sort of concept of pairing uh, Halliburton with a front court of Turner and Siakam is pretty compelling. That has been the case all season long. They're also a team that has all their picks intact. They have another pick right now that has like some weird protection vortex going on where it's like the worst pick of the Clippers, maybe the Bucks, the Jazz and the or like the best. It might be the best of them. Either way, there's like all these like middling that the Rockets are in there somewhere middling to good teams. It becomes the worst or best of one of those teams picks, whatever. We'll, we'll figure out the protections on whatever picks get traded if picks get traded. Uh, but the Pacers have all their picks. They have that extra pick. They got an extra second or two kicking around as well. And of course, they have a slew of interesting young players. There's Jairus Walker. There's Andrew Nemhard. There's Ben Matherin. There's, uh, you know, Obi Toppin, if, you know, that's your your fancy. Isaiah Jackson, Ben Shepard. Like, there's a lot of dudes on this team. Aaron Neesmith, who to me is like the guy the Raptors really got to be targeting here. But we'll get into the return in a sec here. The Pacers have always seemed like the team though and it's not surprising that it's maybe gotten to this point i still think odds are this probably goes to the deadline just because the raptors are clearly canvassing to try to get the best deal they can they seem pretty hell-bent on moving siakam at this point there's been no inclination of any kind of you know extension talks you know much to my chagrin of course but it just does feel like it's kind of trending this way I don't know if I totally buy the reported return that Shams Charania kicked around in his piece, though, at least not in full, right? The concept he passed along was Bruce Brown, three first-round picks, and salary filler. Uh, salary filler can mean a lot of things. There's Buddy Heald, there's Jalen Smith, there's Obi Toppin, there's all sorts of guys on that team who could be quote-unquote salary filler. Um, I really wish we didn't refer to potential human beings be, being moved as salary filler, but, you know, that is how this whole garbage thing works, whatever. Um, you know, Bruce Brown on his own, you know, I love Bruce Brown. I was a pretty big acolyte of those Denver Nuggets last season. I'm always an acolyte of the Denver Nuggets because Nikola Jokic is the most fun thing to ever happen to basketball, but that's besides the point right now. Bruce Brown, really nice piece on those teams. Maybe a little overextended on these Pacers on this Pacers squad this year. Obviously makes a lot of money. He got the bag, the championship bag as he should have. I don't know if his next contract is going to pay him 20 plus million bucks a year. It's been a little bit of an up and down year shooting wise for him. But he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife type dude, right? Doesn't do anything super well, but does a lot of things 
pretty well. He has his course of like masqueraded, has masqueraded as like a small ball five in the past, playing on those KD Kyrie Nets teams where they just had no big men. And he did a pretty good job just kind of operating from the middle of the floor. He closed games in the NBA Finals for the NBA champions uh, last season as well, filling in sometimes for Michael Porter Jr. in those lineups. He's just like a nice, interesting player who I think fits on a Scotty Barnes basketball team, no doubt. Um, you know, the future of him kind of brings his own uncertainty, right? Because he has this sort of bizarro mutual option contract uh, where I would imagine the Raptors just pick it up. And if you trade him by next year's deadline, you trade him by next year's deadline. But I think it's worth a look to see if Bruce Brown, who's only 27, could be an interesting fit as a role player on a Scotty Barnes team. You got to have role players. You got to have smart role players. And Bruce Brown is certainly that. It's the picks that really kind of make me wonder if this whole thing passes the smell test because the Raptors... It's been kind of telegraphed by their actions and the reporting that's come out and the trade they just made with OG Ananobi that they are valuing players over picks. Young players they can insert into the whole thing right now with Scotty Barnes and say, all right, it's go time. Let's do this thing. We have a roster around you that can grow around you over the next handful of years here. Quickly and Barrett obviously fit that description. And a lot of those Pacers guys, whether it's Matherin, whether it's Jairus Walker, whether it's Andrew Nemhard on down the list, fit that description as well. And all along, it's felt like those types of players would be the priority in a return for Pascal Siakam. Of course, you know, you can't dictate the market. And maybe the market says that picks are going to be the have to be the way they go here. But I, I'm holding on for at least a little bit to, you know, sort of really dive into my true feelings on a pick heavy package for Pascal until we see what else is involved in the return and who that quote unquote salary filler is. Is it a Ben Matherin? Is it a Jairus Walker? If that's the case, then hey, maybe you can look and squint and see a deal that makes some sense. But if all they end up doing is trading Pascal Siakam for Bruce Brown, who again brings his own sort of contract uncertainty with him and a handful of picks, like those aren't going to be good picks. The Pacers presumably will be very good or at least pretty good with a Tyrese Halliburton Pascal Siakam duo. Uh, you know, Siakam's had a whole lot of success in his career playing with point guards of the ilk of Tyrese Halliburton and Tyrese Halliburton might be the best dude he's played with period, you know, and, and stage Kyle Lowry, obviously fantastic, but Tyrese Halliburton's doing Steve Nash stuff, just making everybody better at basketball around him. You would assume that team will be at minimum, like a, you know, a top six team in the Eastern conference for, for a little while here. You're not getting great picks there. You're kind of banking on middle of the first round draft picks yielding you long-term pieces, which is just, I don't know if the Raptors have the patience or the luxury of patience with Scotty Barnes already going into year four to wait for picks in the middle rounds to, to sort of turn into real players two, three, four years down the line. We'll see. I, I, I'm If that's the return, I'll be pretty disappointed when the option to just extend Pascal Siakam or trade him in the summer was there all along. And I, I don't know, man, I, I think uh, this has a chance to be kind of a mess. There's also a chance that they get a good deal here and it makes you feel OK about what they have cooking going forward. But I think we got to hold off any sort of judgment on what the full picture is here because we don't know the full picture. We've seen Bruce Brown, three picks, salary filler. Things can change. Actively engaged in talks does not mean a deal is close or imminent or whatever. We'll see. But, uh, you know, <laughs> got to say. Didn't leave me sort of bursting with joy thinking about the idea of Bruce Brown and picks coming back for Pascal freaking Siakam because Pascal freaking Siakam 
is a really great basketball player who I continue to maintain fits with this group that they have have currently in tow. And the option has always been there to just extend him and keep him around, even if it's just to trade him later. And they have not taken that option. And it's led to kind of a miserable existence for the Toronto Raptors and the fan base and just the viewing experience over the last little while, which is what I want to get into next. You know, of course, I, I express like disappointment, non-plusedness at the idea of Bruce Brown and picks as a return. I also had another feeling when this report dropped last night. I'll get into what that feeling was coming up in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with the parts that you need at all the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers all right continuing on here your first listen of the day thanks so much for hanging out here today as we dissect the latest in pascal siakam rumor mongering and as I mentioned, you know, disappointment, a little bit sort of meh, bleh. It's kind of how I felt looking at the potential return reported by Shams last night. Again, plenty to be ironed out there. Plenty of potential for the return to be much more substantial than Bruce Brown and some picks. But there was another feeling I had when that thing came down last night. The sort of notion that we might be inching towards a conclusion here. And that feeling, relief. Relief that this might just be over and i'm saying this as someone who is a dyed in the wool pascal siakam dude i really love pascal siakam as a player i love his story i love the very unique arc that his career has taken that almost every single season of his career has been different in some way shape or form interesting in some way shape or form there's been ups, there's been downs. He's been a fantastic Toronto Raptor. He's going to go down as a top five Raptor of all time. And I will go down swinging and sort of dying on the hill that the Toronto Raptors would be better off just keeping that very good basketball player around to grow and play with this Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett version of the basketball team. But like I said, relief was one of the first feelings that came to mind at the idea that this might be moving towards some sort of closure how is this fun for anyone right like i know we love to be little trade machine sickos and get on the fanspo machine and make all of our little fun trades and share them around this can't be fun for anyone who actually like likes basketball who likes the toronto raptors who wants to see the toronto raptors move in some kind of direction how is this fun for Darko Ryakovich, who is trying to instill a program in his first year with new arrivals, and he has no idea like who is going to be around those new arrivals outside of Scotty Barnes really going forward here? Like, How is this fun for him? How is this fun for Pascal Siakam playing an entire season with a sword hanging over his head, having done nothing but be like an exemplary professional while the team like publicly and loudly sort of pushes him out the door? refusing to offer him an extension after, you know, a couple of years removed from 
Masai Ujiri on a mic saying, you go to war with that guy. That's a dude I go to war with. That's my guy. Pascal Siakam, baby, he's my guy. Obviously, Masai just says stuff, right? How is this fun for, like, any fan, right? Like, it, this can't be fun. There's been it's been really hard to like find the emotional investment in the last two seasons, right? There's been just uncertainty hanging over this team for two full seasons now with fragmented seasons and like fractured storylines that don't get to finish because guys get moved and the constant sort of wondering and worrying of who's going to be on this team next. How are they going to do this thing? How are they going to wriggle out of this corner? They've painted themselves into to me, like, the joy of an NBA season is found in watching sort of a full chapter of a story play out over six to eight months. Like I'm a big believer that like no NBA season is indicative of like any sort of bigger grand thing. Like it all is part of a bigger story. There are, you know, storylines in the NBA take six, seven, eight, nine years to play out in a lot of cases. And we've been kind of robbed of the joy of watching a team night to night feeling out the cadence of a season where you have all the excitement at the start of the year. Then you have the feeling out process of what's working, what's not. Then you get into the sort of dog days of the season where you can look ahead and sort of, all right, how can they tinker on the margins here? Like that's the fun trade machine stuff. It's, ooh, like can we trade for a, a, a nice stretch four to come off the bench or something like that? That's the, the most fun version of trade machining, not big, giant, cataclysmic shifts in your team's makeup. That stuff is not indicative of a healthy enterprise. We've been robbed of just sort of, again, the, the sort of joy of watching a season play out, knowing who your guys are going to be, hitching your wagon to your guys and getting them to getting to watch them play it out, figure it out over the course of a six-month NBA season and into the postseason. And we just haven't had that the last couple of years. And look, I am someone who... I preach patience. I think we get too eager to move on from things that aren't working in the moment and don't get, you know, don't think enough about how things could work out given a little bit more time to breathe. I think uh, I'm certainly not someone who thinks like doing trades equals good team management. I think that's a pretty ridiculous way to look at things. And I think there's a lot of value in just retaining good basketball players, being competitive, you know, building from the middle to me, always going to be better than building from the bottom up because there's just so much risk and uncertainty and just a lack of guarantees when you build from nothing. When you have good players on your team, you know you have good players on your team at the very least, and you can parlay that into greater success. The Raptors, an example of this in the last decade or so. You know, as much as I'm a believer in all of those things, at some point, you kind of get over the event horizon, and when you're running a basketball team, a business, an office, like you're you're running a school project, like all of the stakeholders involved should have some sort of clarity on where things are heading, and that just does not exist, has not existed for the Raptors over the last two seasons. It's been baffling, and it's been joyless. It has sapped the enjoyment out of watching a thing that is ostensibly here to give us joy. And the indecision, the lack of direction, look, they bailed themselves out with the OG trade. Great. I think, you know, being patient, not taking a poo-poo platter of mid picks from the Grizzlies, great call. But the sort of amalgamation of all of these different like avenues of uncertainty, OG, Pascal, Fred Van Vliet last year, Jakob Pertl, what's going to happen? Gary Trent Jr., Nick Nurse last year, like, is he going to be around? Like, all this stuff has just built up to make this not a fun 
enterprise, not an interesting enterprise even. We don't, you can't be interested when you don't know what the team is. We don't know what the team is going to be. It's hard to get invested. And like that's on the front office for their long-standing indecision. If they didn't want Pascal Siakam on this basketball team coming into this year, they should have just traded him in the summer. Or if they wanted to eventually trade him for better value, they should have read the market, known that things are not going to get better than they were in the summer as he gets closer to free agency in the middle of the season when it's harder to trade for guys. They should have just said, you know what? We're not seeing a market here. Let's just extend them and figure it out later. And they didn't do either of those things. They took it into the season and had this big cloud hanging over the team once again. And the cloud has just, you know, you live in Southern Ontario, a lot of you. It's been cloudy for like the last two months nonstop with no sun. That makes you bummed out. It sucks having a cloud hanging over things. It saps your vitamin D. It, it saps your joy. It saps the ability to enjoy watching a basketball team go through the typical ups and downs of a season. It's been fractured. It's been fragmented. It's been just non-linear. And we like linear. We like narrative. We like arcs. And whether you want to admit it or not, like that's what we get into this for. We don't get into it for the cat machinations and the cat minutia. We watch because uh, we want to see our guys go and win some games and then remember the things those guys did. And there's just been no canvas whatsoever for remembering what the guys did over these last couple of seasons has been this sad in-between purgatory totally just like loose hanging threads all over the place and i just kind of want it to be over back to the relief point the idea of pascal siakam getting traded bums me out to no end but i also just want them to rip the freaking band-aid off and just do it like do it this week man like don't string this out to the deadline We've already had eight games of this sort of bizarro in-between land where the teams actually looked pretty good. Yeah, three and five record notwithstanding. They've looked pretty good and interesting. The fit's been there, and yet it doesn't mean anything because it's pretty clear that this is not going to be the team they have going forward. If this was, if they committed to Pascal after the OG trade and just said, you know what, let's roll with this. Let's see what we got for the next 18 months at least. You could get on board. You could buy into the sort of 2013-14 vibes of it all. And wow, this is the change that we needed. This is the shuffling of the deck chairs, new faces, new fits, everything. And the front office has continued to just let the Pascal thing play out publicly. Haven't said anything from their end. Haven't talked to Pascal, ghosted Pascal all summer per all the reports that are out there. And it's left it to the point where I just want it to be over. Just trade them to the Pacers, man. Just get it over with. You're not going to get a great package anyway. Rip the Band-Aid off and actually like give this team some chance of playing a compelling final 41 games. Like Give it some runway to grow and build with the same group of guys and have it be something resembling what we tune into this thing for. Because right now, it's not that. Right now, it is uncertainty. It is loose ends. It is just a, a joyless basketball watching experience. And the front office has to own that, man. It, like this is an entertainment product. And the sort of lack of decision, lack of direction, whatever you want to call it, it, it has totally sapped the stuff that's supposed to make this fun. Rant over. I'll be relieved when it's over. It seems to be where it's heading. I don't agree with it, but just like, I'll be able to breathe and just kind of, you know, just move on with our lives, man. Like it's, it's enough. It's enough of the uncertainty. Just get some basketball players 
build around Scotty Barnes and do the thing if that's what you want to do. Just get it done. We'll come back. Got a couple of listener questions we'll get to. We got a Pascal one. We got a couple of ones that are not Pascal related to kind of ease ease into the end of the show in a less depressing fashion. We'll do that coming up in just one sec. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This time of year, we're all kind of doing those resolutions. We're trying to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. I'm kind of feeling this. I thought I had a pretty good 2023 doing things I like doing. I got back into playing basketball. I got back into all sorts of stuff that I really like doing that I forgot that I like doing. And instead of changing what I'm going to do coming into this year, I'm just trying to like continue the role of where I was on, where I was at in 2023. Therapy, if you're having trouble finding that sort of motivation or getting on that track, therapy can help you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're thinking of trying therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedInNBA today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still some time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. I've said it before, that's kind of my favorite way to go, especially when I'm in person at an event, a little live same-game parlay to juice up the action. Not so bad. You can find bets in the new Explore tab and make a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays and so much more i bet anyone who puts some money down on pascal siakam's next team being the indiana pacers earlier on this season feels pretty good it might be too late to get in on that action now and get some good odds but go peruse they have all sorts of next team to play on odds and all that sorts of future stuff as well over at fanduel so go check it out visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the NFL and of the Locked On Podcast Network. Right at the show here on uh, your Wednesday. Thanks so much for hanging out as always. And uh, yeah, as a reminder, Locked On Sports Today 24-7 is your nonstop 24-7 streaming channel that has all of the big Locked On shows, the national shows covering the biggest stories, as well as the local shows covering the biggest stories from that local angle that you can only get from Locked On. Go check it out over at Locked On Sports Today 24-7 and subscribe. All right, let's uh, round it out. we got a couple listener questions to get to to round out today's show. Thanks to those who sent them in. Um, first one here comes from Glass Axolotl. I hope I'm saying that right. That's a hard word to say. Uh, but the question is, I'm having trouble understanding what are the pluses of trading Pascal Siakam other than clearing up cap space? Uh, you and me both, brother. Uh, I think um, for me... Look, the arguments... We talked about this last week with Joe Wolfond, right? Like, there are salient arguments to it specifically you know the, the cap space one is real right the nba is getting to be is going to be a difficult place to navigate team building in the future and having big large huge contracts on your books is going to make it harder to build pascal siakam if you don't view pascal siakam as a you know second or third best guy on a very good team which i think he clearly is but if you don't view that over the next few years on a scotty barnes team then you know the, the idea of moving on from him and not paying him his max money, which it seems like he's hell bent on getting and good for you, Pascal, go get paid, man. You deserve it. Um, if, you know, if you feel like you can't 
you know, sort of maximize these next four years and the having Siakam's money on the books is going to make it too challenging to work around the money, then that's the argument, right? Uh, the other argument, I guess, is you sort of replenish the, the back end of your roster with whatever players you can get back in a deal. I, I always find the logic of that one to be like very silly. It's like, oh, wow, they got a better seven, seventh and eighth man, but their second best player is worse now. Like, okay, great. What, what have you accomplished here? We get so sort of caught up on depth, I think, sometimes that we forget that it's still top end talent that drives winning more than anything else in the NBA. And the idea of, oh, trade this guy for depth. Like, okay, well, if you trade him for depth, they'll be just looking to replace that guy at some point down the line, which, hey, maybe the Raptors can do. Like, this is, you know, if you're trying to make an argument for a picks-heavy package back for Pascal Siakam, like has been reported by Shams Terania, then, you know, the argument there is, okay, you get a picks-heavy package back. You can probably parlay those picks to some other sort of pick-horny team and find yourself getting a real player, an established player actual NBA player it was not just a speculative teen to run with Scotty Barnes and if you did do that say the Raptors go and get three first round picks from the Pacers whatever else comes back player wise and you go into the summer you convey your pick this summer which looks like it might be a 50-50 proposition at this point but uh, you convey your pick I still think that's best for the health of the team long term to just get it out of the way now uh, but you get to the summer, you got three Pacers first round picks and you have all of your own first round picks available 2025 and beyond if you convey to the Spurs this year. And all of a sudden, you've got yourself seven first round picks to go play with. You can actually get into those conversations that, you know, the a lot of these teams are, are in right now, right? Like they're kind of waiting to strike at the next big potential star. You know, the, the Jazz, of course, are one of these teams. The Thunder are one of these teams. The Rockets are one of these teams. The Nets are one of these teams who have all these extra picks on hand. Although the Nets have like the Rockets picks and not their own. I don't know if the Rockets actually have picks now. I might be getting that wrong. Either way, um, lots of teams have these sort of hordes of picks. And all of a sudden, the Raptors become one of those teams. And, and, you know, the Knicks are another example, right? Where they keep on hoarding these picks, these sort of sneakily not very good picks, by the way, uh, for some sort of speculative superstar trade. You know, it puts you in the conversation, which I guess is nice. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee you pull it off. We'll see. But that is the the conversation you would assume the Raptors are looking to put themselves into if they're going to go make a deal or they get a pick-heavy package back for Pascal. The other argument is like the timelines argument, which I think is just so like over-focused upon. Like if you can get multiple good players on long-term contracts together, I don't care how old they are, frankly. Like if they're good and they fit and they make sense, then like that to me is a, an alignment of a timeline. Whereas, you know, I think the general consensus is, well, everyone's got to be around the same age. Everyone has to have been in high school at the same time for it to be a, a sensible team build, which I just don't get. And like the Pacers clearly being eager to trade for Pascal Siakam to pair with 23-year-old Tyrese Halliburton suggests that, you know, maybe we overthink this timeline thing a little bit too much, but that's just me. Um so yeah, the, the the other thing is the timeline. You get younger players, you get more sort of cost-controlled players. Like that's the big thing, right? It all comes back to money, frankly. The arguments in favor of trading Pascal Siakam, um, and, and that's where we're at right now. The, the Raptors clearly view those money arguments to be pretty compelling based on all of their actions and all the reporting to this point. So that's where we're at. A couple more mailbag cues to close it out. Well, maybe just one more. This one comes from Matt T. Not talking about Pascal Siakam. We're talking about the guy who is about to become my new favorite Toronto Raptor, I think. That's Emmanuel quickly. Uh, and the question from Matt T is, what can IQ do to improve his finishing at the rim? 
course, not been uh, a great start for Emmanuel quickly from like two point range from floater range so far uh, with the Raptors, just 30% from three to 10 feet per basketball reference right now. Uh, well below where he typically is. He is a floater merchant. And I think those will just kind of like fall. So a lot of this is, you know, like regression to the mean from shots that he typically takes and makes a lot going in a little bit more often. Of course, he's been banging in triples like a maniac, and that's been super fun. He's at 47% from three as a Raptor so far. That kicks ass. Um, but as far as the rim scoring, yeah, he's at 60% right now inside three feet, which would be his career low if, you know, you know, mapped out over a full season. He's never been like a crazy high. He's not flirting with 70% at the rim or anything like that, but he's flirted with, you know, 63, 68 one season in 2022-23. Um, you know, I, I would assume he's going to bounce up from the 60 even he's at right now. But as far as just like the general improvement of Emmanuel quickly, I do think the big thing for him, when you see him go into the lane and he's close around the bucket, a lot of it is trying to score over guys instead of through guys. And a lot of the best sort of drivers and free throw merchants and all those types who get to the rim and score, like they're looking for contact. They're absorbing contact. They're not trying to shoot around the contact. They're trying to just go through dudes and finish. This goes to the point that uh, I think Assad brought up on yesterday's podcast. If you go listen to that of quickly just need maybe a little bit more beef, just kind of, you know, bulking up a tad to feel like he can go in among the trees and hang and not sort of get flattened when he goes in to try to get contact. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a process, right? For the Knicks, he was like very three point dependent. He was someone who was asked to bomb away and kind of go gunner mode and have the floater game to sort of back him up and be that counter when he got ran off the line. Um, if he wants to be a more sort of lead guard type, then there has to be a little bit more in terms of scoring around the bucket and, um, you know, collecting free throws, all that type of stuff. I think it's going to come. The dude's clearly very talented. He clearly works pretty hard and, and has like a lot in his bag to work with. Um, it's just a process, right? It's a feeling out process for him as much as it is the Raptors trying to get acclimatized to having his gravity and spacing on the team. He's got to get used to the burden that is being a lead guard. And I think that will come in time. Um, but yeah, I think the physicality around the rim is probably the thing. Stop trying to score over dudes, score through dudes, and uh, you know, good things will happen. You're going to go to the line a whole bunch and all that good stuff. So that's, uh, I think, my quick answer to that one. And I think that's going to be where I leave this podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks to those who sent in listener questions. Didn't get to all of them that are in the uh, backlog right now, but that's because uh, some stuff happened last night with Shams that we had to address on today's show. Um, so thanks for hanging out. Really appreciate it. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk about Raptors heat with Jamar Hines. That should be fun. And then we got, of course, a doubleheader, a back-to-back, -back, the Raptors Bulls game we'll talk about on Friday as well. Um, plus, we'll have a little bonus episode, I think, talking with Tony East from Locked On Pacers about, well, you know, uh, we'll get into all that coming up later this week. Till then, thank you so much for hanging out, and we will talk to you again on Thursday. I, I, I would go out with my like usual recent sign-off of Extend Pascal Siakam now, but that feels like it's going to uh, fall on deaf ears, and so I'll just go out on, uh, just get this sorted out now, please, and rip off the Band-Aid and get it over with and end all of our misery. Thanks so much. Bye!